What is up, everyone? We are here. Uh, it's been a long time, but we're back. Uh, episode number 37. We're going to kick off with our good friend, Justin McWilliams. Um, got me and Justin Lorenzen, aka JLo. I didn't really think about that because our guest calls him a different name. So I had to really think about it before I actually said his name out loud. Uh, but uh, me and Justin Lorenzen are kind of uh, kicking this off. Um, we're bringing Justin McWilliams on. Uh, he's a captain for the Clackamas Fire District, captain on Heavy Rescue 5. Been there for 16 years. Uh, he's an instructor with Brothers in Battle, uh, one of the uh, founding members of the Firefighter Rescue Survey and currently serves on the board with them. Uh, runs the page search culture, uh, also part of the UL FSRI search study. And he loves his family. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. <laughs> loves his family. Yes. Great addition, bro. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I, I just want to kick off. I, I think this is like probably the best part of this whole thing. I, I, I really want to talk about your department. The culture there and the improvements um, that we've seen from you, and uh, I think a lot of it has been from from you know your your chief uh, kind of pushing a lot of this stuff forward. Seems like a ve uh, very well functioning department, and uh, shows that the chief and his staff really care about uh, the men and women that work for him. Uh, can you kind of talk about your guys' culture there and the the shift that you guys have had recently? Uh, well, how how far back do you want us to go? I mean. We can go back to, from what I know, of 07. We can go back a little bit before that, where it all kind of started, or we can start a couple of years ago. It's your show. You all do right. what you want to do. Um, I mean, we can just do a little a little edit of this whole gig then. Um, I think pretty much any, most departments, I'd say a large majority of the departments across the nation are probably between where we were in 2003 to where we are today in 2023. So the last couple of decades, they're in between where we're at. There might be a few outliers but, but, uh, that aren't, but back before 2003, we had no outside, no purposeful outside influence uh, within our department. And then we finally brought on um, our first uh, outside influence around 03. Uh, I think it was called Firetown and it was out of California. And we already did a lot of topside event then. But uh, it kind of gave us this, a culture of a, a more of a topside event to get us on the same page. We had the same rhythm. And um, it kind of just started from there that uh, started with our couple of our truck companies that we had back then. And then we had, you know, North and the South company, truck company. And then in 07, our, uh, I was hired and um, our culture of search wasn't that great uh fire attack we used we used to run around you know um what would you call it we'll call it pushing fire or whatever people want to call it you know we'd run around and uh seemed like a lot of fire but realistically what we found out over the next few handful of years is like we were only flowing like i don't know half 90 90 gallons a minute when we thought we were you know flowing 150 gallons a minute and so we had uh what happened was in uh in 08 uh, our current fire chief was a lateral and our current ops chief was a lateral hire. And uh, it was our first lateral hire that I know of. And um, we just started creating groups of um, trying to attack 
certain aspects of our department that we lacked in and mostly it was well fire attack and search um and so we just started slowly working on that um to speed it up what really happened is that we knew it was going to take at least a decade to get to get to our culture shift and it took a lot of a lot of hitting our heads against the wall and a lot of pain and um a lot of pushing and a lot of no's and so what it really took is just a team us to realize that we need a team of people like throughout the organization from all ranks and um and time in and uh and the people we didn't always have the right people trying to influence our operations chief at the time or our fire chief at the time so we had a lot more no's so we just built our team until we had the right people uh that were able to convince them even though it was the same message it was just from different different uh people and then we started slowly making into what we wanted it to like instead of butts to nuts searching you know we just started we started calling it split search and oriented search Nowadays, we just we don't even teach split or oriented search. We just call it search. Um, we spread out when the conditions are better and we get closer when it's not. So overall, uh, for our culture, is that we went through a we threw a went through a rough patch of time. I mean, we had we had some rough times and within our culture, but it was uh, admin versus the line. But what came out of the admin is that they they allowed us to do whatever pretty much we wanted to do on the fire ground, as if we went to we were heavily influenced by like brothers in battle. And so we went to one piece Halligans and eight pound axes throughout the whole district. We went to 15, 16 nozzles and 188 hose, um, which obviously got a lot of pushback, but from some of the line, but the thing is, is we were supported by admin. Um, uh, that was one of their, uh, oof, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but uh, they just allowed everything. And it was, it was to a fault but we just got lucky and we took advantage of it. Um, and then we just kept on uh, hiring good people and our academy started getting a little bit better because we started doing um, groups like uh, you know a rescue and search group or a cadre. We did fire attack cadre, hose cadre, you know, ladder cadre, which brought, brought in people from the line that taught what they like and what they're good at. And then uh, slowly over time, you know, just kept on growing and growing. We kept on having wins. So I bet you one of the things that, uh, a couple of the things that really benefit people's culture and they don't realize it is one, time. Like you you have to commit at least a decade to whatever you want to change. You've got to commit, commit to a decade. And if you don't commit to the decade, then you're going to lose it in less than a decade. Um, that's just what I've seen across, you know, just across the nation is that people want change tomorrow. But if you can make change that quick in your department, then it could be destroyed that quick. And then um, the other thing is wins, is taking advantage of your wins. So one of our biggest wins we had was we were doing bailout belt, bailout belt R&Ding for years. And then we finally, uh, in like, let's say July 17th of, doesn't matter, 2017, we, um, we got approved to have everybody had their own bailout belts and their kits and their pockets. Everybody has them in the right pocket. <clears throat> and some people didn't like them because they were heavy and whatnot. But within... I think about 45 days, uh, we had the, the only known uh, bailout rescue off a device that I know of in the nation. I mean, there might be more. There probably is. But at that time, it was, it was pretty spectacular. We had a couple of guys uh, off the heavy rescue going tier. Uh, they had fire from stem to stern, and but it was high vis. 
just because it was burning through the roof from Florida through two stories of roof and uh and but it was just hot so as you're like climbing the steps um their boots were sticking to the to the carpet one went right it was like this uh balcony balcony landing like a uh, I'd call it a deck access uh bedroom landing and so one went right one went in a bedroom found a lady they both went in there shut the door uh it started burning through the door and uh we the mdc was down and some comms were having problems so of course you know engine company maybe it was arriving at that time there's no water on the fire and uh anyways they they ended up doing a bailout so one of them bailed out they gave the lady to the other the guy hanging off the hanging off the rope um as the other the second firefighter bailed out it flashed over and uh the lady survived you know she spent some some weeks inside the the hospital but what that did was that it just secured the idea of the line pushing the culture we are because of the win we had within like 45 days so you got to praise that kind of stuff so we've had that like no matter what kind of change we've done of nozzles um hose the bailout kit searches like we somehow we always god blesses us with uh always having a bunch of wins and then we just captivate you know just uh take advantage of that and then we would just pretend like yeah that's that's exactly what we're talking about we just knew it was going to happen so um and then the last couple of years uh the, our current fire chief and our ops chief are promoted and um dude we've been running ever since it's been pretty awesome so they're you know they're all on board for what our culture is and uh, we want to keep it there uh, the problem is we're going to have now is that there's so many people uh hiring right now in this i mean i'm guessing across the nation but we're going to have a hard time because we just passed the levy so all of our four-person companies that we took away last year are coming back in the next five years so we got to hire hire around 100 you know we're going to add 66 seats seated positions in the next handful of years so just competing with the metro area of hiring people uh, is going to be an interesting fight to uh, make sure our culture stays up to where it is. Yeah. So, so is is every company going to have four? Then is that the uh, is that the ultimate goal? Uh, there'll be a couple without, and some of it is um, we have a couple uh, cities that we protect that are not that are um, what are they? They're uh, contract for services so those those stations or those cities don't pay for uh the levy so they don't get levy money so a couple of houses won't nice and you guys are four four platoons right yeah four platoons uh we just started january one with four platoons we uh we got we'll have i think we have around 25 stations um we're all single houses which is probably I don't know, pretty rare in the in the United States or maybe in the world that our truck houses are single comp are single company tillers. They have they have no water. I mean, they have like 120 gallons of trash pump on it. And then our have rescue uh is also a dry house. And we have a you know 60 gallons of foam and fury, but that's about it. Uh so it's also a dry house. So that's something that sets our department a little bit different than most departments in the in the nation is that when i'm talking about search on search culture and other things like obviously it's um we have to take advantage like it's interesting because those three you know the, the trucks and the heavy rescue are pretty big are uh are pretty busy companies and they're some of our busier populations so we get some pretty good first two fires 
And so we search uh, ahead of the hose line quite often. And we search without a, a pumper on scene quite often. So um, it's definitely pretty awesome for us to get that kind of um, experience, but it's not great for the people. Um, you know, it's not great for our civilians, but uh, we don't have the money to create, you know, double company houses right now. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Uh, J-Lo, go and take away. Next one. Yeah, and before we get to the next one, I actually kind of piggyback up what you said earlier, Justin, was you said you guys started going and branching out as far as training-wise. So in your opinion, how do you think, how important is it to pursue training outside of your department? Well, outside our department, I don't, I mean, yeah. if we didn't pursue outside of our department, I don't think we'd be anywhere we were, anywhere close to we are we are today. I mean, <clears throat> just take it from, I mean, is it uh, the inbreeding? I mean, I think you could just look at the history of the fire service realistically. Let's look about, uh, you know, the year, shit, doesn't really matter. Anywhere from 95 to 2005, whatever. There's so much inbreeding that uh, no one was learning from anybody from the outside, or not nobody. Most weren't learning from the outside until like the internet came around and then social medias came hit around and then uh and then firefighters that were a little bit more into the job were able to follow firefighters that were from across the country and had things to say instead of just learning what mcwilliams has to say about search but yet i've only worked at a you know a, a two-station department that that runs ambulances and most of my time was on the ambulance, but I've kind of searched a couple of times. And what I learned is that when you go inside of a structure fire, you don't let go of the wall. You don't let go of your partner. You, you know, you don't, uh, all you got to do is pretty much go inside, not get lost. Uh, don't die. And then get on the radio and, and do say primary search complete. Well, when we all started, you know, we wouldn't, most of us wouldn't question that shit because why would we question it? Cause we wouldn't know what to question until we had outside influences. And so when we do have outside influences, that's what gives us the power and the information and the knowledge, the education to question. So if we can't question, what are we here for? Like, what are we truly here for? That's the kind of shit that used to happen is the, the statements of like, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's abandoned. Uh, there's nobody inside you know, shit like that. And then that would grow legs. And then the, the statements of like, oh, we're not going to search that abandoned building because it's dangerous. And and it's like, what do you mean dangerous? And it's like, well, I've had this conversation with, with captains before when I was a fireman. And uh, they're like, oh, you know, a lot of firemen die in, in those kind of structures. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. Like how many? How many a year? How many this year, actually? Just tell me this year or last year. I don't care. And they wouldn't be able to tell me shit. And so the thing is, is that, you know, I had a few years on by then. And so I'm questioning, obviously, and I'm getting influenced. And, but the thing is, before that, before all this outside influence, people wouldn't question it and they'd just believe it. Because it's like, oh, this captain, this two-bar dude, just riding the front right, said this. And so that must be true. Well, nowadays, it's pretty easy to look up what's true and what's not on the, inter in, on the interwebs, right? You know, Bill Carey puts out numbers of the LODDs. Um, I put out a little bit different numbers than he does because I do a, uh, he goes off a lot of, uh, you know, ENFERS and FEMA and stuff and USFA numbers. And I typically, and he sticks to kind of what they, what they um, state. 
and I'm more along the lines. I, I still push. I'm, I'm more of a questioner and uh, I'm more of, yeah, this one says it died. Uh, they died um, searching a, a structure, but then you start looking at NIOSH reports and reading it and talk to guys on scene. And it's like, no, that's not what happened. You know, just like Baltimore, you know, in Baltimore, um, when they went in that, uh, the uh, row house, I believe it's uh, died on, all of them died on um, advancing a hose line. But the way that Baltimore works is that the, actually the truck, I think it's truck 23, cannot remember, but officer went in and started searching, started searching ahead of the hose line or off of the hose line as they normally do. And so in my head, I, may, I take notes and I talk to guys that are on scene or with that department. And then I'm like, no, that's a search death. And I want to know about that because I want to know why it happened and more of what's going on. So back to your question of like how, how important outside influence is. I mean, just right there, if we didn't have outside influence, we would learn from USFA that or FEMA or whoever's putting out these numbers, but no one's questioning their numbers because they don't have uh, the information to do that. And so, you know, you have people like Bill Carey that are questioning numbers now. And that influences, the, you know, the, the U.S. Fire Service or just like RIT. You know, RIT is, has been big since, you know, like Brett Tarver in like 94. And when I started the fire service in 2000, it's like, yeah, RIT, RIT, RIT. And it's like, but all I learned was people die. So many guys die in the line of duty. And they're like 100 is 100, 100. But nowadays it's like, well, okay, it's a hundred, but you know, in 2017 there was zero or one. I can't remember. And I think it was one, one interior death of a structure on a, uh, in 2017. So you know they're breaking down the real numbers of where what's really going on in the fire service, what's really going on the on the um, fire ground. But then like if you start doing outside influence of like you know, search on the Googles and stuff. And then you go into like the Bureau, like the uh, Census Bureau, is that the fire the fire service isn't in the top 25 deadliest jobs in the nation. So then when I go to work and people are saying it's such a dangerous job, it's like, no, it's not. It's not that dangerous. Uh, like, tell me, like, it's not in the top 25. And then you start taking, um, you start to, and these guys are influencers because they're captains, they're chiefs, you know, they've been here for 30 years. And so they're spreading things to me, like a young age, like I'm taking all this shit in. And then I'm just like, yeah, no, this is what this chief said. And he's been here 33 years and uh, it's a deadly job. But then nowadays you can break it down. And if you really broke down the numbers, like the census bureau is that uh, per hundred thousand full-time employment for firefighters, we diet like uh, shit. I, I'm gonna mess up these numbers, but it's around like let's say it's 2.5, 2.5 firefighters per um, hundred thousand FTEs. But if you took all the average, um, the average of all the occupations, and I'm talking like the burger flipper at Burger King, the Walmart greeter, the postal uh, post office, you're talking about every job out there. You know, guy that works at Les Schwab, the tire shop, tire shop. It's 3.5 for 100,000. So the outside, and so right there, it tells me that uh, we're not dying more than the average across the United States. But if we had no outside influence, that's the only thing we would know.
No, I agree 100%. So that's a good segue into the next question. Uh, you talked about, you know, questioning and asking, trying to get more answers um, or have people explain themselves. So like when you're driving conversation, typically, and I had some experience with this when we were in Florida here this last year at the fire conference, like literally in the hotel room, we're talking about stuff and you're like, no, but tell me why. No, explain yourself. Okay, no, but tell me, no, you're not explaining yourself. Tell me more. And right. I, I admire that. I think that's good stuff. So like how important is the critical thinking aspect and like being open-minded to like growth and that kind of stuff? No, man, this, this could be a, a 20, 20 day conversation. <laughs> I mean, realistically, because you, if you're talking about like person, personally, like, like my growth, we're talking about my, my shifts growth, my stations growth, my department's growth, the fire service growth of, um, you know, like the, all the questioning and like, I mean, if we're talking about um, my mom, my wife's over here doing a turkey call. She's kind of trying to call in the turkeys right now. Anyways, um, so are you kind of talking about like the importance of like accountability and like asking the why? Is what you're saying? Well, yeah, for the most part, but more like, like if somebody has a response to your answer, like yep. explaining it, like where did that come from? Like, give me the details. Give me the data. Like, I don't, I understand what you're asking and what you're saying, but tell me why, why is it this way? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, I mean if I was really going to, I can only talk to myself personally where that kind of came from. Cause I mean, I think that the nation where it came from is because, uh, because of outside influence. And there's a lot of go-getters that um, weren't getting what they wanted and they, they weren't getting the answers that they, they wanted from the fire service and their, and their, their chiefs and their captains and their lieutenants and their drivers and their sergeants or whatever well, you want to call them, their senior firemen. And they're getting out some outside influence from either hands-on training or, Oh, look at this, you know, this department over here, Oklahoma is diving in windows and they're making rescues. Why aren't we doing that? And people are going to say they're dangerous. Right. So I would say like, if you look at it big picture wise, it's probably because of the social media and um, obviously they had a big outside influence and then backed up by these conferences and then these these which started out as small cadres teaching around the nation and giving a little bit more information but for me personally i would say that most people if they know that how i'm on the social media so i i run i'm the only person to run search culture but i very 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 rarely come back as search culture uh the only time i do is when it's a mistake and I try to switch back to me. And the reason I do that is because I want accountability. I want people to know it's a person they're talking to and not like, oh, it's a page. Because I don't want all these people liking my stupid comment because it's a page. And they're like, oh, yeah, fuck this guy. Look at search culture. This guy knows what he's talking about. Like, 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 or share or blow this other guy up. That's bullshit. Like, they need to know that I'm a human being, right? They can all look up where I work. They all know. They all know how many runs we make a year. If they want to look it up, they all know how many fires. They know what kind of rig I run on. They know my position, how many years. If they want to know information about me, they can figure it out, right? Um, but I don't. I also don't open myself up to that kind of shit. I don't. Uh, when I go and present, I don't talock about. I, I might say I'm from Clackamas Fire, but I usually don't tell them what my rank is. I don't tell them how long I've been there. I kind of rarely tell them what kind of rig I run on only because sometimes this is relevant. Like I, I ride on a dry rig with a dry house and a dry FMZ. That's pretty relevant when we talk about search personally. But uh, 
so then when we go there and we start talking about you know like the why and uh, explaining yourself if you go back on all these you know back and forth on the social media most of the time i believe is that dude there's guys i mean i've got some pretty good friends now out there that are like retired like fdny and newark uh new jersey and other other fucking places that are like that are uh special operations chiefs or fire you know um keith nicolello which like a 1980 to 2020 uh fdny like latter 30 most of his years and because we started battling back and forth on the interwebs but respectively going you know he would say something and then i'd be like uh okay well that doesn't make any sense to me. Let's talk about this. But like, it's not about like, neither one of us would put, oh, I've been on fucking the job for 20 years. I've been on the job for 40 years or 50 years. I work at LA city and we run a hundred thousand colors a year, or I run 28 fires a day. That's not where it went because none of that matters. No one, re- I mean, no one, I don't respect people that roll up. <clears throat> I don't it, rank is not a thing for me. Like I don't respect you because of rank. You have to, I have to respect you because of a person. I either trust you and respect you because of who you are. I will not trust you or respect you because of rank. Same thing as like, if you're from Clackamas, Oklahoma, Aurora, Chicago, FDNY, I don't care where you're from. You either have something good to say or you don't. If you've been on the job for three years or 23 years or 53 years, uh, it doesn't matter. So you have to be able to explain yourself no matter what rank you are, no matter how long you've been there, no matter how many fires you run, no matter what rig you ride on. And if you can't explain it, then you, you probably have a little bit of self-growth, right? I mean, that's how we have to have the growth. The growth is happens, it happens to me all the time, is I have a lot of growth when people come back and they're like challenging me on the, uh, you know, challenging the word or whatever it is, or the post on the interwebs. And I love it because it makes me think. And the thing is, is that it, if I didn't think, then I wouldn't have growth. And if I didn't get stumped, um, I wouldn't be better tomorrow. And the only reason the search culture is out there, the, as in the page, because it started as a support the primary search, is that I wanted to learn and I wanted to grow. It, it was never supposed to be a page that I was to educate others. It was all about a page that I wanted discussion and I wanted to learn from others. But what I realized, is that there's not a lot of people out there 10 years ago that there's probably a lot, but not all on the webs, they were willing to share their experiences. And I think a lot of that has to do with they didn't want to get blown up on the interwebs, just like they did in their um, in their uh, academies and shit like that, when they failed and they get blown up and you know blown up by others. And that shit happens all over the webs. But you know what? I, I believe I see it less and less. Now, either I don't follow those pages because I don't follow those pages of like that make fun of other departments and shit like that. But I do post shit that hold other people accountable. I just try not to directly call them out because I know that it can go down a bad hill. Um, I don't I don't want that. But I also do that to my own department. I do that to myself. Like a lot of the I mean, I most of the uh, helmet camps and shit like that. We don't post most of our helmet camps. We just post some of them. But it's it's only because they're not uh, either bad quality or we're just getting into the realm of being able to do that. But like, we don't edit not to show the good shit. We we should edit to show the bad shit. Like the mask up timer that uh, that we started this year is like a couple of mine are twenty seconds, and it's like we don't show anything that's over thirty seconds because we don't want to waste everybody's time watching it. 
right? Because it might happen. It will happen. I'm going to have this year, I will have a 30 second mask up time. It's just going to happen. Uh, I don't know why, but it's going to happen. Um, but anyways, I'm going on this loopy loop, right? So being able to explain um, what we say and what we preach uh, gives us each validity, I believe. And then if I quote one of you uh, on the World Wide Web, or if I quote you in a class, or I take one of you guys' slides and put it in my class, or I take some of you guys' Bill Carey's information, or if I take, you know, whoever, Cody's, Cody's gospel, right? I have to put their name, your name on there. And I want to know where they can't, got it from too. And I don't put it on there because I'm trying to boost their ego. And I'm not trying to put it on there for any reason besides I want validity. Because if someone questions it, there is nothing that's worse than being questioned and not knowing the answer to it. Because here I am up here preaching a word, you know, a number. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know what? I don't know where I got that from. Or, oh, yeah, dude, this number is from Oklahoma Fire. This is This is what they got. And then it's like, okay, well, you can tell me about it. And they're like, well, I really don't know. I just took it off the, the interwebs. But like, you have to be able to have the information that, that you can lead them back down a path to give them what they need to, to answer the why. So when they do question you. I hit no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think, well, a good example of that you know, after we did that class in Pensacola and I had a typo on one of the numbers as far as our uh, rescue information and somebody pointed out like, man, that seems pretty high. And I went back and looked, and I was like, crap, I screwed that up. That's a typo. And then like, but it was good though, because we, and this is kind of off the subject, but through FRA or firefighter rescue survey, like we preach being transparent. And if they see something, they question it, we're going to address it. And that's exactly what we did. And fixed it and, and corrected it there but yeah absolutely i mean if you don't i feel like if you don't have those questions if you don't have those people questioning that kind of stuff um then you just end up with a bunch of yes men and when you're surrounded by those then you don't ever grow and, and get better so yeah absolutely man i think you i think you killed it with that jeff yep no i i agree i uh felt very uncomfortable in that hotel room uh doing that presentation about 17 times it felt like so, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that, Justin. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think you guys know. I mean, you guys probably read some of my crap. I mean, my fire chief reads my 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 mom, uh, my some of my wife. My wife follows search culture. I have friends that aren't even in the fire service at all, and I do. I hear about it all the time that follow search culture or what I say on the stupid fire stuff, and they'll text me. We'll talk about it. I'm like, what? I didn't even know that people were, you know, following that kind of crap. And they're like, oh my gosh, I just love what you got. Like, just love what you say and how you say it and blah, blah, blah. And like, you're like blowing people up. And I'm like, I'm not blowing them up. I'm like, my goal is never to blow them up. My goal is, my intention is to have to, um, to compromise. As in, not compromise, my, 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 my intention is to open both of our minds enough that we can, um, uh, did we come to the same conclusion? Because I think most of the time, we, I, I don't know about most of the time, a lot of the time, um, we are thinking the same thing, but we're not saying the same thing. 
And social platform is shit for that uh, because it's not a instant back and forth, back and forth. And you don't know how I'm saying it. And it's just like that, that actually someone just sent me the other day. It's just like that. Um, who is this? It's Keenan. Oh yeah. He and Peel, the text message confusion. Uh, it's on the, it's on the YouTubes and it's one text message after the next. And all it does is that one of them takes them, they, they're saying something one way and another one says it another way. And then this guy's fucking ramped up and they meet at a bar with a baseball bat. The other guy, he comes up, he's like, Hey buddy, he was about to go get him a hug. And they realize that like, like how, how uh, they misinterpreted, you know, what they're saying. And that happens all the time. Which only have we can only fight on the on the book of faces and the Instagrams and also they're bull crap. <clears throat> if we actually go back and forth and we're not afraid to make um not afraid to hurt people's feelings, because I'm definitely not afraid to hurt people's feelings, but I don't want to turn them off. So like there has to be that level of um there has to be a level of um self-awareness of how we're talking and what we're saying. And so it's not just just digging at them. It's more of like, I, I usually use the tactic, but more of questioning them. And I'm like, okay, so and uh, how would you mean? What did you mean by this? Because I believe this because of this. And then, I'll, and then I'll usually give them a, you know, I don't call it the shit sandwich, the nice, good, nice. But it's more of like, when they come up with a point that I agree with, I'll say it. And then that way, I think it, it I think it boosts them a little bit, so they know that I'm all, not all negative, and that I try I try to help set the tone of like, hey, all right, like we're getting somewhere, but you're not providing the information that I need. Yeah, man. Well, let's let's kind of change it up a little bit. Let's talk about um, some decision making, and I know uh, you've you've posted the video before, and we've talked about it. It was uh, one of your recruit academies. Um, you guys were big into decision-making, let the recruits make the decisions on uh, where they go to do a search and, and, and everything else, where they're going to throw a ladder and everything. And I know, um, you know, when I've, when I've helped out with uh, Brothers of Battle class with the two, that's kind of a big thing as well. Like, it's, it's not like, hey, you shall go in this window and come out this window. It's make the appropriate decision with what you have, you know, and, and move forward. So let's talk a little bit about decision-making. Um, and, and how you think it's vital uh, that it's occurring at all levels, not, not just the company officer level, uh, but also firefighter level and, and so on. Uh, so when I became a captain, I don't even know. Probably, I guess, I don't know if I've been a captain in three years or four years. It really doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, everybody expects ex expectations. And my least favorite expectation I've ever seen in, in the career, my career, is have fun. That's the biggest bunch of bullshit. Uh, you can't expect that. That just happens. But, and I think it's fucking weak. And if you're going to set down a bunch of expectations for people and you're going to write it, write it down, A, don't bore them to death. It can't be a freaking pages of bullshit. It has to be solid. So like, I only have like, I don't know, six or something like that. And one of them is make a decision. Um, and that's for everybody. I had to say, you know, I don't have a different set of expectations for myself, my lieutenants, uh, the drivers, or the firefighters, they're all the same. And what I've personally, I guess, just what I've seen over the years with the fire service and over life, dude, is um, when people stall to make a decision, 
or they're, ha- they're fearful of making the wrong decision, or they don't make a fucking decision at all, then they are doing what's worse. They are doing, they are, they're like, they are uh, putting others at risk. They're putting themselves at risk in our job, we'll say. Um, they're incompetent. And then what it leads to is that others don't trust them. They don't respect them. They don't think they're competent and they won't follow them. And if without that, what are we? What are we doing? We need every firefighter to be followed. Like if it's me and you and we're both firemen, we're both backstep. And I don't, I don't trust you because you don't make good decisions or you can't make a decision. Um, where are we at? Like we have a lot of growth to be had. Like, um, so that being said, uh, let's take it to the real world, right? So uh, in February, we went to the Disneyland's. And, uh, you know, there's, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands of people there or some bullshit, right? And so my kids are there. And just one example is that I always teach my kids, like, do not think like the rest of them. Understand what they're doing and, and know what they're doing, but don't just follow. So we're in line for, I don't know, some, it doesn't really matter. It's some uh, water ride that's near the, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. And at one point the line splits but everybody's in the right and i'm talking like fucking everybody but to the left it goes around corners and you can't see what's going on so it's a totally unknown like why like no yeah no one's gonna go that way because it doesn't make any sense and so i teach my kids dude make a decision a like are you gonna follow everybody or you're not but then also just back it up. Like if it turns out to be wrong and we go in there and it's the wrong, you know, wrong decision, just own that shit and be like, Hey, I took that opportunity. And this is what I was thinking is that most people didn't have the capacity to make a decision to not follow everybody else in front of them. And so, yeah, now we lost, but guess what? Most of the time we won. And uh, we would go and we would literally be five minutes in the line that says it's 40 minutes in the line. And that's what I expect, not just out of my kids, um, but like out of the firefighters I work with and for myself. So uh, the importance of the decision-making tree is like, you know, we go, um, you know, we, we go like last night, they had, they had a fire in a triplex. Right. And, um, and two went in, you know, two went outside the uh, two went by window, two went into the interior, got pushed out. And they made a decision, team, I don't know what it was, one of the teams, team A or team B of the heavy rescue, made a decision to go out and grab the line and push in. Okay. Was that their job? Were they fire attack? No, but they were search. So they had to make a decision because they weren't able to complete their job without, um, uh, without the line. You know, because it was a triplex, or might, I mean, I don't know exactly what happened because I wasn't there, but fire attack might have been overwhelmed in another apartment, right? But if you don't allow people to make decisions and you don't expect them to make decisions, then what would have happened? Would they have just searched what they could and then jumped out and then just waited for fire attack to make their way into that area? So like you were talking about a video that we had from a recruit, recruit class, probably, I don't know, three, four recruits uh, classes ago. So we have a on like the fourth day or whatever it is of um, the of the search week, we take them to a two-story, probably 3,600 square foot um, acquired structure. 
And so throughout the week, dude, we go, we do really slow things. Like we do, we do rescue. That's a whole day, like just drags and taking them out windows, going in and out of windows ourselves. And then like we do search, we start only with searching from windows. We only do one room and we do high biz. And then we do like two rooms. We start smoking it up a little bit. And then we do like a whole floor and we do high biz again. We do like, dude, this shit is like, dude, hundreds and hundreds of reps. But by the time they get to this uh, acquired structure, in the morning, we bring out uh, either one of the trucks or the heavy rescue and they search with them. So you cannot expect them to make decisions. They don't, they don't, they wouldn't know how to make a decision on, right? Like, so my kids can't make a decision on shit, dude. They wouldn't know how to make a decision on mortgage or a car payment or how to drive right now. They're too young for that shit. They don't know to go left or right. They don't know that kind of stuff. So you have to, you have to engage them and actually teach them. And so the way that we teach, teach help teach them make decisions for search is that on that last day in the morning, they come in and then they get hooked up with, we do uh, two person searches, three person searches, and then four. But when we do four, we usually split two and two and they're hooked up with a line guy. And that line guy might be there for one year. And, or they might've just got off the, pro because if they're working overtime on that rig or they're working a trade, they, um, you know, they might only have a few months uh, experience, but they know how we search because they know they've been, been in that house before and they've been through our academy, or it might be a 20 year guy. And what that does is shows them the tempo and what we really do. And so what it does, instead of me going there and using a tick and trying to watch these guys inside of a, a structure, what they're actually trying to do and yelling at them, barking at them. And then they're touching my leg. They're like, are you a victim? Are you a victim? What are you? Oh, are you a fireman? And confusing everybody. Uh, we just search with them. So there doesn't need to be instructors inside because we're actually just, we're part of the crew. And after, you know, reps and reps and reps of that, in the afternoon, they've been through enough scenarios in this place and we do all kinds of scenarios you know we do garage fires we do kitchen fires we do cut fires in bedrooms and floor one floor two they enter windows they enter doors they exit windows they exit doors they do all kinds of shit they have one victim they have zero victims right so in the afternoon the video that you were talking of what happened was there was four of them for search and they're all recruits they split two and two uh they I believe they all went through the front door. It doesn't really matter. They're first searching floor two because it's a floor two fire. And a few minutes later, I see them running around the backside and I'm listening to the radio traffic with the ladder. And then they come to the uh, Bravo side of the ladder and go to floor two and they enter a window. And I didn't stop them or anything. because At first I was going to, I don't know. I don't know why I do it. I think it was just because I was going to macromanage, but I just held myself back. Cause I was like, what are you doing? And then I'm like, let's just find out. So they went in, they searched that one room and they came out. And then at the end, I'm like, well, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, we were on floor two, floor two fire. We made it partly down the hallway. Uh, and then it flashed on us uh, in on floor two out of a bedroom. We weren't able to isolate it. So we decided to come out and around and we knew there was, more to search on the other side of the building so we just decided to enter through a window and i was like yeah that's pretty awesome like that was very uh that was a moment i think in our search training that uh i thought we were doing it right 
right? We're always going to learn. We can look back in 10 years, 20 years, and we're going to be like, dude, we should have done something different. But that's one moment that like, at least we're teaching them to make a decision. And if we weren't teaching those guys from the get-go from the academy to make decisions and only to follow, then that room wouldn't have got searched. And if that was a real house and those two actually searched together, just getting off, you know, I know that some, some are really against letting young guys search together, which yeah, we try to not allow it, but you can't, you can't always, um, there's always things going on in the fire service, you know, there's people calling in sick and maybe there's two probies riding that day. And maybe you have a, an officer that's not really engaged. And so they're going to search together. And so if that was a real fire and there's somebody in there, or if there wasn't somebody in there and it didn't get searched, then what? Nice. Hey, just, just so everybody knows too, can you kind of give a breakdown of your recruits um, search training, like how many days, kind of what the breakdown is, and then yearly like training, like uh, what you guys do annually? Yeah, so right now, actually, um, okay, uh, so we only hire firefighter once, so people with cert certificates already. So ex uh, our first time that we haven't is actually this year, and we're, they're currently in a um, uh, apprentice. We actually started a, the Oregon, Oregon that started an apprentice program. So we hire civilians that don't have any certs. They don't have their EMT, they don't have firefighter one. And so our academies have been always typically different. So before with our firefighter ones that, you know, they were firefighter twos, whatever they are, uh, we typically get a week of it. And uh, we start out, you know, like I said, kind of like the first day is gonna be rescue. So it's just drags and mindset. So I do like four hours or two hours or whatever of mindset and just talk about our mindset of what we're gonna do and what we're here for. And I'm here to make sure that you become uh, a badass fireman and want to be on our team. And that just means putting these people first and believe in our mission and that there is inherent, inherent risk in our job, but we're going to mitigate it through our education and our training. Right. So, uh, then we go, you know, going to drags, carries in and out of windows. Second day, you know, like I talked about one window searching through windows, searching, you know, floor one, then floor two, and then searching as a team and high biz and then lower biz, moderate biz, they break out windows uh, they vent for search, they isolate for search. Day four, they they um, do larger structures and they come in from different areas, as in like they might come in from a Charlie side versus an alpha side, but only because we set up scenarios such as um, hoarding conditions. So if you have hoarding conditions that don't allow the alpha side door to open, then you got to find other ways in. Could be the windows, could be other doors, but um not always but most of the time in our areas is that they there is a door that they that you will force that they usually use and that and that you know trail houses and stuff like that um but then again we have places that uh we have such heavy hoarding conditions just like anywhere else in the country that they get pushed out of their house and so then they live yeah other places maybe on the porch or wherever in the yard um and then they go to the fifth fourth day or fifth day or whatever end of the week um to whatever you call that and we have four uh they work four ten so that's a four a ten hour day um and then we come back and do sometimes we do uh two to three more days of um scenarios of rescue and search which brings companies down and so 
it's all kinds of different, all types of companies. We usually have a truck with heavy rescue there and then a couple engines and an IC there. And then they run through, it's called actually EMS week. And they come down, we run scenarios, they ride the back step and we perform searches and they pull either a victim out or a firefighter out. And then they run through the scenario of how we're going to medically treat them. So they get another three days of that. So they get, I guess, a minimum at least seven days. Um, I'd say that probably this apprenticeship academy is going to probably get eight or nine days worth of search, uh, but specifically for that kind of stuff. And then when we start getting on the line, um, we try to do once a year. Um, well, we definitely, all the trucks in the heavy rescue and stuff uh, in the squad definitely do uh, one uh, one more day every year. But we try to get the whole district through it. It just depends on what kind of uh, mandatory training we have as well. So we try to do a whole more another day, and we usually take them to an acquired structure, which uh, you know kind of goes back to our culture. Is that like um, two years ago, our our fire chief and our ops chief was out there for a day or a day and a half or something like that, teaching it. They were instructing the district wide um, search at you know because they're involved and they enjoy that stuff and. Um, it kind of goes and speaks back on like it's bottom to top um, belief in uh, why we're here. Awesome. Thank you. J-Lo, take away the next one, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and kind of leads into this one too, as far as like leadership. So obviously being an officer and stuff, sometimes there's hard conversations to be had. Um, but not only that, but and this is a question that gets asked. I've heard a lot on podcasts and different areas and platforms and stuff. But what would you, what would be your take, or how would you go about having the member at the station, whether it's senior or not senior, that basically just tells you, "I'm not doing that. I'm not training. I'm just here for a paycheck." No oh, man. So I'm very lucky. So I was, uh, I was a lieutenant. Uh, at the heavy rescue and I just got promoted and I mean when I got promoted I got promoted in house to as a captain and so the heavy rescue is usually the most senior guys at the, at the department um, backstory with our department though is that when our fire chief became our fire our current fire chief became our chief uh, I think it was when he became an ops chief but I can't remember is that the captains make uh, all the moves lieutenant on down and um, in the, within your own house so that being said, I am very blessed with uh, who's in who's in our house and who comes in our house. Now, I don't make all those decisions. I make the final decision, but our house makes those decisions um, together. Uh, no matter if it's, uh, no one has more really more of a say than another. Um, if it's your shift, you'd have more of a say than another shift. But if you're a lieutenant on the shift and, you're, and you have a firefighter on the shift and a driver, I don't weigh the lieutenants uh, more than the the driver or the firefighter. That's it's not about that. It's more about you know we're one we're one crew. Um, so that being said, uh, you know you start coming to this thing. There's you know I've had I've definitely had um, well in my career I've been through I've been through some shit. Um, you know I've had I've definitely gone through my turmoil in my career. I mean. Uh, which I'm just setting it up to like, I think believe like why I deal with things the way I do. But real quickly, if you're gonna run down my lifestyle, um, 
I, in 2000, I didn't make probation as a volunteer. Now you would think who the hell couldn't make it as a volunteer on probation. And I'd be like, yeah, I thought everybody made probation, but I guess not. Um, you know, but I didn't. And then, um, I went to fire school and I became a sleeper at another department. And, uh, after being a sleeper there, they put me on part-time, well, full-time, but while another one was injured. And so I was there for over a year and I got, I was number one on their list. Well, I messed up the application and, uh, HR wouldn't let them hire me. So then they allowed me to stay as a paid person, but non-union. Yeah. So I was scabbing it. Um, for uh for the remainder of what they needed but they wouldn't hire me so then the next day uh i was number one on another department's list and got hired down there so then uh i got hired there uh they have a culture of just being assholes um they definitely have a culture of shitting on their probies and then like right after probation like they're like oh, okay you made it uh that's not really my lifestyle anyways i was uh at that time I, I actually it wasn't the only thing going on in my life but uh i was suicidal and uh had a huge huge effect on my life and about a year and a half into that job uh i was still getting shit on and they would i mean i mean it went deep i mean there was some deep dark crap going on there uh, about a year and a half in, I went and talked to, I wanted to quit or go to a different station. And uh, I went and talked to the union press and they're like, yeah, it sounds like you need to take some sick time off and just quit. Like, you got to go. So that didn't have, you know, they weren't on my side. Then I went to my battalion chief and I'm like, hey, you know, there's another captain that wants me at their house and there's an opening. Can I go there? And they're like, nope. And they're like, they didn't want to create any bad blood in the department by allowing me to go to another house. Um, so that day I gave him a letter and I just wanted him to sign it that I quit on my own volition and then I went on and, you know, everybody that I knew in the fire service is like, you can't do that shit. Um, you'll never get another fire job. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't have a job at all, but I'm like, dude, my life is more important than, than, than money. Like it was my life or money at that point. So it felt, uh, so I went and rode a private ambulance and I had some of the best times of my life the private ambulance because I knew it wasn't going to be there long, but I took care of the people and I grew and I loved it. I loved it. Cause I just screw around 24 seven. I had the shittiest shift. I had like 8 PM to 8 AM. It sucked. But like, dude, between our off time, we would go shopping and get all our errands done. And, you know, we piled that place up with two by fours of dog food and people thought we were nuts, but it's like, well, dude, we want our time off for us. This is going to be good. You know, wouldn't we, we'd always be there. We'd jump calls and, uh, I had, you know, we, we had lots of laughs. So then I got picked up and, um, actually I was, uh, dude, I know, I know I was got like, I'm going to pat myself on the back for all these number ones. Right. So then I became number one on another department's list and they offered me a job. And, uh, to me, it just makes an impact of like, like, just the turmoil I've been through because like you're number one and then like, oh, they wouldn't hire you. And so this story here, uh, they gave me a job. And then two days later, they called me back. And they're like, ooh, I fucked up. We're, we made a mistake. Um, yeah, we got to resend that that offer. I'm like, that's weird. Well, come to find out, there's a couple of people, captains or whatever else that I'd run with on the ambulance, the, the ambulance company I was working with then, 
that didn't like how I played ball with them on the medical field. And so they complained about me. Um, and so then they turned me down. And so oh, they rescinded my, 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 uh, you know, my offer. Then come to find out some people were like, why the hell is that happening? They went to bat for me. Uh, the next day or two days later, I called up a Clackamas and they, and I was number one on their list and they offered me another job or they offered me a job. And I never wanted to work for Clackamas, dude. No way. Mm -hmm. Wasn't my thing. So I got picked up there and, uh, about a week later, that one department that rescinded their offer called me back and they're like, Hey, um, we would, uh, we actually want to offer you a job back if you be, you get a pass of written. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested. And they're like, you sure? And like, nope, I'm good. So anyway, so I'm working for Clackness. I've been there. Uh, so I've been there, I was at, I was there for, in 2007 and, um, during the academy, you know, I'm a punk ass kid still, you know, I'm just a kid. And if anybody knows me now, I mean, if they, you, watch, you watch me on the book of faces or in real life, like, dude, I am here for a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm not here for a long time. Like, I'm not afraid of speaking up or speaking out or stepping up or stepping out. And so during the academy, um, the captain uh, of the academy decided that I was that was a pain in the ass. And so he, he put me with a probing lieutenant that was, that was, uh, his name's Craig, Craig Bickle. And uh, there was a hard ass. And it's because he wanted him to ride my ass. Well, I get there and he had kind of a similar story that I did in the fire service, just gotten shat on. And so we actually um, became really good friends. And a few years later, I was in a wedding. So it's kind of interesting. So then uh, he gets off probation and he pulls me to the truck. So then I go to the truck with him and the South truck, the love truck. And uh, we were there until about 2012-ish. Um, and our admin blew us up. And they had a little meeting with us. They didn't really tell us what was going on. And um, one guy went to days. One guy went, to, I went to A-shift on the rescue, light rescue, which we didn't have a heavy rescue at the time, which was like a, ambulance that didn't transport uh one guy went to stayed on b shift one went to c shift so they split us up in all different ways and uh it whatever you know you know one one person would you know one of the admin told me like oh you know you're gonna be better for this and i'm like all right whatever man you'll thank me one day no shit so uh everybody else was you know 25 years on the job and i only had like you know seven there at that time or six or something like that I got blown up and then I go ride the rescue and I had a great time with those guys, you know, and then in 2014, they made the heavy rescue. And then they asked me to come work the heavy rescue because it was a USAR team and they wanted me to come back and I had my certs and whatever. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I'd love to. Well, a handful of years later, my officer's getting in trouble. They're not able to move him. Some other shit happens. I teach a class. It's recorded on Facebook Live. I didn't know what that was. Uh, I talked about a rescue that happened a couple nights prior, the night prior. Um, I was drinking, but not crazy. And uh, and I was wearing a brother battle hat and my flannel and some jeans and some some brown Romeos, which is the only thing I teach in nowadays. And so uh, 
the next day I'm off work and I get a phone call from my lieutenant goes, Hey man, uh, Opsheet is down here looking for you. What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? They go, oh, rumor is there's a video. I'm like, okay, yeah. So I call up and I'm like, Hey, um, kind of what's going on. No one really knows anything. So I get a hold of Michael Snodgrass, who is control of the video. And I'm like, Hey man, uh, I don't know what's going on right now, but I don't think my, my department's happy with this video for some reason. Can you guys just pause it or just take it down for now? And they're like, yeah, man, but like, if we take it down, um, we can't put it back. Like it's deleted forever. I'm like, whatever, dude, I, I just, I don't even know what's going on, but just, del- just take it down. We'll just, I got to deal with it when I get back to work. So anyway, I go back to work. Uh, I t- we tell my battalion chief that morning, he's like, yeah, no big deal. I got to talk with that, with that chief later today anyways. And so before noon, um, union rep shows up. I get called down to the office and they send me home. So that was uh, the start of my adventure. I got, I got put off on leave for a month. I was getting phone calls from uh, some officers around the district. They were trying to fire me. And uh, a couple of days in, I get anaphylaxis. Uh, I'm sitting there with my family on the beach, having breakfast. I start chewing on my lip. I go into the bathroom and my lip is swollen. I come out, I get very emotional. And uh, I just get my wife and say, mom, or mom, I that's my wife. I'm like, hey, we got to go. So my, my in-laws are there. I gave my kids a kiss, goodbye. And I'm like, we got to go. And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, dude, I don't know. Something's going on with my lip and I'm starting to have wheezes. So we get in the car and we're in Hawaii. So I decided to take a vacation, a month-long vacation in Hawaii during this whole thing. Um, and we're driving and like, I'm just concentrating to breathe and it's just like slowly coming on. So then we stopped by a, a little store and we're on the big Island. And so it's kind of sparse around there. And I just go in, I just start taking shit off the shelf and start shoving them down my throat. Getting pace where I get the car. We go find a, um, a, uh, healthcare place. And I'm like, like by then I'm like head to toe freaking hives and I'm like, it's hard for me to breathe. And they're like, yeah, we need your insurance. And I'm like, I can breathe. I can still talk at this time, but I'm just kind of weird. And I'm like, fuck your insurance. Just give me some Epi. I need something now. And I'm like, you know, whatever. So anyways, and they finally give me Epi and they give me steroids. So that's the first time I ever had anaphylaxis in my life, ever. Um, I was on the island. I kept on getting phone calls that they're trying to fire me. I was on the island for another couple of weeks. And I was went to the hospital probably another two times, I believe. I can't remember. It's like I had anaphylaxis at least two or three times. I bought new clothes. I stopped eating and drinking anything I, besides water. I tried different water, um, but I kept on getting it. And it was weird because it was even on my palms. So I didn't even want to fly home because I thought I was going to die on the plane. Like, I'm like, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do. But I also didn't want to stay on that island because there's not a lot of help on that island. Um, anyway, let's start shorting the story down. So I get back. Uh I got like 30 infractions on this written. They move me stations. They congratulate me with a mentor. And uh, the mentor is like, after my, my visit, the mentor is like, hey, did they ask you if you, you, they, uh, you wanted a mentor? I'm like, no, they just told me you are. And he goes, okay, uh, that's not cool. How about this? You're my mentor now. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Sounds great. And this guy's probably one of the most written up lieutenants we had, officers we had to date and, uh, for a class. And uh, so I had like 30 infractions with on me. I got moved off the heavy onto an engine company in the South. And uh, a month later, 
they come and they congratulate me again. They're like, oh, you're getting moved. And I'm like, what? Why? And they're like, oh, you're, uh, you're a good medic. So they're going to send you out east. I'm like, okay, so I go out east. Well, I'm taking lieutenants to test. And uh, everybody knows I'm studying the shit, you know, my ass off for this thing. So I come out. Uh, there's like 21 people that take it. I'm number 16, the last person on the list that made it. I don't know how long goes by. And um, so this time, uh, I'm still, I'm going through, I'm going to arbitration with the, with the district to, to get time back and all this other shit and not get it written. And uh, then um, what happens, let's say happens. Oh, um, they overpromote. So there's four people left on the list, four, three people on left on the list. I really don't care. They overpromote. So they had, they promoted. So six officers were at one on one rig. So they had two officers per rig and they left me by myself on the, on the list. And then they killed the list. Uh, that was a pretty big bummer, right? So that's some more adversity I went through. And then I took the next test. And the next test I did better. I had to, right? I had to give them a reason not to skip me versus just kill me on the list. Um, nine months into after I got put off on leave. So I was off on leave about a month. Um, I was talking with one of the chiefs for the first time in nine months. I was at one of the stations. We were doing a shave. Just kind of look at him. I just felt it was time. Went outside. And he was told that by the um, their lawyers that no chief should be talking to me. So no chief was supposed to talk to me for nine months, which is insane. I'm a fireman. It's a legality thing, right? Because we're going to go arbitration. Anyways, by the end of this whole thing, we're about a month out from going to arbitration. Um, the chief asked me what I wanted. I wrote down what I want. Pretty much, I want to take away all the infractions um, that off-duty conduct will not, you know, be a part of discipline. Uh, I want all my vacation time back, all my, you know, my leave time back and some other shit. Um, so anyways, so that all happened, came back, got promoted, right? So then I got promoted, spent a year on the engine. Um, after I got off probation there, I went to the truck that I got kicked off of as a fireman in 2012, as a lieutenant on that rig. And then I've been there, there for a few months. And then I went back to the heavy rescue as a lieutenant, the rig that I got kicked off of in like 2017 or 18 or whatever year that was. And then uh, I became the captain of the heavy rescue. So long story short, that is that is not even close to anywhere. Uh, like that's just the main parts of adversity that I've gone through in my career. Um, I think there's a lot of people like me out there. Uh, we have our own story, right? Uh, I want to tell you one uh, before we move on about answering your question of um, talking about a guy that doesn't want to train or holding people accountable or being a leader, right? Uh, that's what helps me make be a leader, dude. Uh, I know how I was treated, dude. I was pu pulled in the office so many fucking times. I'm still pulled in the office, man. Uh, I'm pulled in the office probably once every two months, but it goes a lot different nowadays. Um, more of because they ask questions and then i'm usually able pretty good at explaining shit they just don't understand how i got to that conclusion but we're all good until the end until the after they talk to me um so i was pulled in the office and like the door was closed multiple times throughout my career and i didn't ever like that so i don't do that i don't shut that damn door that's not a thing you pull me in the office, it better be fucking serious. Like, 
I like going to the bay. So, or somewhere that I think is neutral, that is more comfortable. So when I'm going to have a decent talk uh, with somebody and some serious, we're not going to the office because I think it's, um, I, I, I think the talk is going to be serious enough and that they already have respect for me and I have respect for them. I don't have to set it up with me in a button up with my bars on and the door closed in an office. I think that we can, um, I think we can be more relaxed and I want them to be comfortable so that we can have more open conversation. Um, the other thing is, is that when I run into these problems, um, I'm pretty quiet, which I'm never quiet. Uh, and I'm just thinking. And because the thing is, is I know how I've been treated throughout my career. Like I was shit on as a volunteer. If I told you the reasons why I was, well, I was fired as a volunteer in 2000. Um, you know, one of the reasons was they thought I drilled a hole in a desk during EMT class. Another time is they thought that I, during my uh, practical evaluation, they thought I guessed how to reload a, the McQueen load, but yet it was right. So those are just a couple of the reasons. It's complete bullshit, right? I mean, if you go through all these years of just stupid shit and how they treated me and like what they would say is like, oh, you're... Oh man, you got a big ego. And then it was like, wait, what's that even mean? What do you mean? And they're like, oh, that's just what they're saying. But nothing, you know, nothing to back it up. It's like, that's not how I, that's not how I go about things. So when we're gonna have a talk with uh my firefighters or drivers or lieutenants or whoever the hell's um, you know, I'm a chef now, is that I take a lot of time and I use my mentors and I write shit down. And um, unless it's something like that is illegal and really fucked up. It doesn't need to happen today. It needs to happen when when the time is right. And it's typically two weeks for me. Um, and then we come down and we talk about it and we make sure it's comfortable. And the thing is, is that I start out um, with just like I do on the book of faces and stuff, asking questions. And I'm like, let me hear your story. Talk to me about this. Because I'll tell you what, is that if you go in there and start telling your side of the fucking story, they're going to clam up. And because you already made a decision. And I'll tell you, a lot of times I've already gone in there and I hear their intent and what's going on and things, it could be a lot smaller than, you know, not everything's two weeks, right? Sometimes I just talk to them after a stupid email. I think it's bullshit, right? And, but if you let them speak, you're like, just like when they pull me into the office, it's like, oh, all right, now I understand. Okay, well, we can move on. Um, so I think uh, the way that I try to lead, um, Man, you'd have to ask the guys that I work that I work for, like my lieutenants and my drivers, my and my firefighters, because I think that I can sit here and say, "Oh, this is what I what I think I am. I think I'm good. I think I'm this." Um, I don't think that there's any way to ever tell that unless people are giving you always giving you feedback, and you can only get feedback if you're very specific with these people, and it's very hard. I really tell fire like my boss how great they are. It's not really a thing, right? What are you going to sit back and I go up and give him a call and say, hey, man, uh, I think you really are doing great. And that tie looks phenomenal, right? Takes out the color in your eyes or something. So one of the things I do is um, as a captain is I try to every six months is sit down with everybody in my, my house, in our house, and talk to them and ask them. I ask them like, okay, how's your guys' shift going? What do you need? How's uh, the the other companies with you guys? How's the house going? How's like the shift work between each other going? How's our training going? And then I end with, how am I doing? 
And I'm like, I don't care about the good things. I want to know what I need to fix and what I need to change and what I need to hear. And that's fairly hard for people to do. They don't want to tell me. Um, I got some good friends in my house and we work together and we party together and we hang out and it could get uncomfortable, but I'm like, I usually just tell them, I'm like, Hey, uh, it's more uncomfortable for me to not know, but yet you guys all know everybody else knows in the world except me. Uh, so I don't even have a time to a chance to fix it. So if you tell me that I have a chance to fix it, uh, now you're not screwed. Like, I feel like if you don't speak up, you're screwing over not only yourself, but everybody else around you, because I'm going to continue to do the same thing. So that's one of the things I really try to do to help to, to try to emulate being a better, better person is truly get some good feedback. That answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. So for the most part, self-evaluation and then um, basically basing that off of your peers and what you guys, you guys are working for you and kind of going off of that. So yeah, hundred percent. I agree. So I guess you were talking about specifically uh, how do you get other people to train um, that don't well, want to train? I do not. I, the only time I have that problem, I don't have that problem in the house ever. Uh, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, I mean, that wasn't the main, the main topic, main issue or question was about leadership. And I think you explained all that well. That was just one I threw out there because I know that's one that gets brought up on a lot of different podcasts or platforms. It's like, that's like the number one question is, how do I get somebody to do something that, or to train that doesn't want to do anything? And everybody, everybody always asks that. I'm just kind of curious on your perspective of that. But like you said, you don't have that issue, which I, I haven't either. I'm fortunate to be in a station with a bunch of guys that that's not an issue either, but I was just throwing that out there. Um, but that doesn't mean that I haven't ran into it because I definitely ran into it as a probie on the engine, uh, probie lieutenant on the engine. Uh, I've definitely ran into it when I'm on overtime or people work overtime and stuff as well. And so, what I do is I just continue to do me. Um, we are going to train and we're going to do our thing. But, uh, and I, I would get, so when I was on the engine as a probie lieutenant, every day we would mask up almost, almost every day, at least in the beginning for the first three months or so, but we would mask up until we were all in our 15 seconds with the gloves on. And then we can go upstairs. Uh, we'd all mask up together. And then we would, uh, on the way to shopping, we would pull lines to occupied structures. So it could be a school, it could be a three-story public hallway. I don't give a crap. Could be a, um, you know, whatever. Any, uh, any kind of complex that's out there. We would pull hose, we would charge it, we'd mask up, we'd talk about what else we do, we'd load it back up, we'd do it again, we'd improve, and we'd move on. So there's people that didn't want to do it. Definitely the older guys didn't want to do it. And definitely the older guys that were drivers really didn't want to do it. That came from slower houses. and. The thing is, is that what I got out of it is that when we have very specific training that is that we can grow from that takes because that only takes what 20 minutes, maybe is that that's not what they're expecting. They're not expecting to get, get growth out of 20 minutes. What they're expecting is some jackass that uh, wants to just train and then they're out there for two to three hours, but there's no specific specificities, specific, whatever, it doesn't matter, specifics that they're trying to learn from. And then they just like make shit up as they go. And then they're like, okay, well, okay, there's a tree here. So go around the tree, but there's no tree. You know, it's all make-believe. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, uh, yeah, they got to force this door, but uh, there's fire blowing uh, behind you. You know, something stupid, right? Like they're always making something like it's not real and it's hard, it's, it's, it's not specific enough that we can grow from it. So then people get 
get uh they uh, shy away from that kind of shit and then they realize they don't like training because they're not doing real specific training they can grow from they're just doing make-believe bullshit and people think some people think that if you train for two hours you are better but yet if you train for 20 minutes you're not and that's not true when you train specifically on something you can get better in minutes and if you are obtuse as fuck and you do it for 12 hours you're going to be obtuse and you're going to suck I like that. <clears throat> um, so kind of just getting into our generic questions to kind of end it. Um, so what, what do you think when it comes to uh, training wise in the fire service, what do you think we're doing right? And what do you think uh, needs an improvement? Training wise, you say? Uh, yeah, I mean, training, learning, um, you know, you, you name it. Uh, well, I think what, we, what we're doing right, um, I think we, we hit on earlier, is that we are being... Um, influenced by out, outsiders clackmas fire has been influenced by hundreds of departments and now we are also starting to influence other departments right it could be our leadership it could be how we spec our engines it could be anything but um i think that is the number one thing that is affecting the american fire service right now is outside influence uh mindset right um you know just going back to the straight up just knowing what you're talking about and being able to question things and ask why and uh have the answers um what we're doing wrong well um what are we doing wrong i mean let's get real i mean like i can go off on a million things what we're doing wrong but i think one of the things what we're doing wrong i think one of the worst is uh, accountability is that we don't want to be held accountable. Um, some people are afraid of being sued. Well, you can't you can't put helmet cams out there. So you got chiefs and like lawyers and HR going, well, we can't have helmet cams because we're going to be sued. Oh, really? Well, why don't you talk to the hundreds of uh, departments that do have helmet cams and ask them how many times they've been sued? And actually, why you won't put your put a little bit of money into it, get a lawyer, and make it so it'll be good, and then don't be sued. It's pretty easy, right? Um, but also the accountability of if I put a helmet cam up there and someone doesn't like or doesn't agree, let's say it doesn't agree with what we did. Let's say that we made a rescue and we threw one ladder versus two parallel. Or what if, um, uh, shit, I don't even care. It doesn't really matter, right? We threw a ladder upside down. Um, we, we, we searched through a garden style window that was next to a door and it, went, it led to a family room and people are like, Oh, that's not, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this and that. The accountability piece is I want you to question it because we should have an answer for you. Right. We should be able to say, Hey, actually we didn't do this because of this. This is why, or this is why we did this. Or you know what? Yeah. I'm going to learn from that. We learned from that fire. We actually talked about that. And this is what we came up with. Um, not the whole, oh, there's a, there's a bunch of keyboard warriors out there. Well, you know what, dude, when people go really negative and are just complete bullshit on search culture, I just delete their comment. Like, I don't, I don't try to cancel or, uh, squash people's voices, but like, if you're just going to stay up, go, you're an idiot or that's stupid. That's dude, that that's not positive. That's just bullshit. Right. That's just, that's just white noise. But if you're out there and going, uh, 
why did you do this? Or this department did this, that was stupid. Um, at least it has some little bit of context to it. So I think that I, I would like to see more people voice their experience and their reasons why and why they didn't and, and question others' tactics than uh, we do instead of um, positive voting around it and going, oh, you guys are just calling people out. You're just a keyboard warrior. Because it's like, I have so many questions, but like then I just sit here going, I don't want to be the only guy on the interwebs besides William Knight, who doesn't even do the interwebs much anymore. Just freaking raising raising cane out there just making havoc and and you know because there you know people be like well that guy's just a dick you know like one of the things i want to know about is the aerial uh, uh to the to the roof on a one-story structure that never ever happens in my area and i don't even i think i don't even know if you'd see it really on the west coast you might i don't know but that's not a thing even a two-story is really really rare uh for us for a single family residence and why can't we question that? Like, what are we doing? How fast are your ground ladders? How fast is your aerial? But if you say something, then other people that do it, they're going to go in there and they're going to be barking at you going, yeah, blah, blah, dude, um, you do you and uh, you don't know because you don't have the uh, training that we have. You don't have the structures that we have. You don't have the setbacks that we have. You don't have the personnel that we have. Well, I'm like, well, then explain it to me because I want to know because maybe we're doing it wrong and I need to learn from it. So positive learn from others negative uh we're not um holding each other accountable to the level that i want us to awesome thank you jlo take uh take the next one man you're on mute bro there we go sorry um yeah so kind of broad brush strokes here but what do you see as far as uh, fire department and our training, fire service in general, our training, where it would be in next 10 or and even 20 years from now? Um, well, where I see us, where I want us to go. Well, I think that there's so many um, um, conferences now and there's so much training, so many cadres of training out there now is that at some point it's going to be saturated, right? Uh, regionalize it. Like, like we, I mean, it's all great and stuff, but like, you're going to need to hopefully like things like IFSTA, IFSAC, all that bullshit that like, you know, fire, you know, like these books that like, that like uh, Delmar that they come out with that don't change with our times are always like five years behind or seven, 10 years behind. And they always have like, well, you know, join it. And it's like, dude, it's not that easy to join it. Um, it, we need people that give a fucking care. And so I'm hoping that we get large enough on all these conferences that really care and all these people, these cadres that one, um, we can have like a free source that all of our in information is updated, but then it's also like, it's like, it's always getting updated on the World Wide web. Um, and it's getting vetted, but it's also backed by the departments. It's backed by, if it still wants to stay involved, we'll back it. If USLFRI, you want to get in, or, you know, UL, UL wants to get in on it, then back it and and vet it and be a part of it. But um, I think that's got to be a huge piece so that we're we're more on the same page. But it's continually updated and we're not behind the times and making excuses. 
And then also with our training, you know, like there's these departments out there, there's states out there, they have all this like search training, like you come off the wall, you fail. If you let go of the guy's boot, you fail. I mean, this shit is shit that I've never even heard of, but until the World Wide Web, I, I, th I thought it was all fake, but it's not. Um, is that we make it, we, we, we need to regionalize like our standards. And people, you know, once again, people are saying, well, I mean, I fight fire here and you fight fire there. And it's like, yeah, but you can still have standards. Like our standards can be all the same. If you search a 10 by 10 bedroom with two people and they're going the same direction and your hands on the wall continuously and your hands on the boot continuously, you're doing it wrong. I think we can all concur that that is wrong, no matter if you are on the 100th floor of a high rise in Maine or in a, in a subgrade basement uh, on the, uh, in Los Angeles. Doesn't matter, right? So I think there's some things like that we can standardize. So like the training as in like our standards and get away from the um, the bullshit textbooks that are that are too far behind. And then also with the regionalized training. Awesome, thank you. Now, last one here is kind of rapid fire uh, four questions. So what is the, uh, what's the best fire conference that uh, you've attended? Ooh, well, Cody wouldn't like that one, this one, but I mean, he does. But I mean, obviously, Portland PDX is is great, but it doesn't. Yeah, I've never been to one that has live fire. I mean, sure there was, but I didn't get to teach there, uh, so I didn't get to see it or be a part of it. Um, but Harrisburg uh, Firemanship Days—that's uh, definitely my favorite. Live fire, lawless, pretty badass. That's legit. Uh, okay, uh, what about the best class? The best class? Um, realistically, it was uh, it was a blue collar uh, training. Um, it was a couple day class, two or three day class. I can't remember for heavy lifting and rigging. We it, it's it wasn't wasn't fire shit. It was just heavy lifting lifting and rigging on buses and and uh, you name it. It was pretty badass. I learned a ton. The other Jeff, right, had a cola, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. A cola. All right. Um, what about uh, books? Best best book, you think, or uh, beneficial? So um, I probably tell us said it before or whatever, but it hasn't changed my mind. I haven't changed my mind. Is that um, The Professor and the Madman? Uh, it's a tale about a murder of insanity and uh, making the Oxford English Dictionary. And the importance of this for me is um, when I was talking to Aaron Fields some years ago about um, why don't we have the same jargon? Why don't we have the same message across the states? He's like, read this, because then I wanted to make a dictionary kind of thing with him. And he's like, well, read this book. And if you're still interested, call me back. I never called him back. And if you read the book, you'll understand why. All right. What about uh, what about podcasts? What what do you think people should be listening to? What do you like to listen to? I don't. Uh, uh, I'm a shitbag, dude. I don't listen to podcasts. The only po podcast I really listen to is probably Joe Rogan, and uh, I read books. Um, I think I'm, I'm I'm fairly well involved enough in like the fire service. Uh, I try to I try to separate my time a little bit more, and so if I'm a uh, if I got time to, let's say, you know, working on the farm or doing something else um, and I got something to listen to, I'm listening to music most of the time. 
I need to, I need to clear my head. So I'm not a huge person in that kind of stuff. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate uh, having you on. We appreciate your time. Uh, you know, if people want to find you, uh, you can look up search culture on Instagram, you know, Facebook um, threads apparently now. Um, and and, and all that. Don't, don't get a hold of me on threads. I think that thing's going down. That, yeah. That thing's shit. <laughs> I don't like threads. Get a hold 503-729-2734. You have something legit you want to talk about. Call me. It's probably the easiest way, but um, you have to leave your message because I'm not going to answer. Um, my phone is on silent 99.9% .9 of my days. I don't answer phone calls. Most of them are blocked. I don't ask to answer text messages. Uh, right now I have 313 unchecked text messages. I just last, like last year I deleted a thousand unchecked uh, emails. I delete, but um, yeah, do something right. I might get back to you. If I don't try again. He prefers FaceTime too. Ooh, FaceTime's my favorite. Yes, uh, yes. Real FaceTime, then FaceTime on the on the iPhones. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else to add? If not, we'll uh, we'll, we'll end this up here, Justin. Uh, you can also email you can, the email you might want to if you're like looking for like one of our our company performance standards for search, our fire rescue protocol, or our rescue and search uh, chapter, and our truck manual would be Justin dot mcwilliams at clackwasfire.com awesome well thank you justin thank you jeffrey <laughs>